This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast. Powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. We are delighted to bring you season four of Driven by Data, the podcast. And our aim remains exactly the same, to bring you some of the most respected and recognized thought leadership figures from the world of data analytics to share their knowledge, ideas, use cases, and insights across how they've tackled some of the industry's most trending topics and challenges. All that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season four. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Kanari Lada, who is the Chief Customer Data Officer at Manchester Airport Group. So, Kanari, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this podcast. No, it's all right. I'm uh, very much looking forward to this. I know me and you probably spoke almost two years ago about you coming on this podcast, and um, you know, so finally got me. <laughs> good, good things come to those who wait or persevere, maybe. Um, but um, where we always start, Canary, is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief in- intro into their background and, I guess, journey till this point in time. If you would be so kind, sure. So um, I started my career as a hands-on practitioner and sort of fell into the world of data by chance um, when I got the opportunity to work in the research department at Home Office. So this was part of my degree work placement. So initially, I was actually quite disappointed as my friends got placements in really cool companies like GSK and big management consultancies. (laughs) But little did I know that when this was the start of my career into the world of data, that this was the beginning of that. So the first sort of 10 years of my career, I was hands-on and analyst and gained experience across developing things like dashboards, BI, predictive modeling and working on segmentations and doing advanced analytics. I then moved on to more leadership roles, progressing into what we call now Chief Data Officer. So it's actually been quite an interesting journey over the last 20 years for me. I've had the opportunity to work across a variety of different industries from telco, retail, automotive, and more recently sort of the travel aviation sector. And the experience of working across both consultants and client side has been really invaluable, I think, for my success to date, because I'm able to understand the perspective from a client perspective, but also as a consultant as well. So it's quite it's quite interesting navigating sort of the different um, structures in an organisation, having had experience across both sides. Hmm. I do find it interesting um, if you look at many chief data officer people, as it were, um, a large majority of them at some point in time have had experience in consulting in their careers. And I do wonder whether there's something in that that allows them, you know, I don't know whether it's the the kind of uh, the, the sales element of it or the, you know, the, the strategy part. I'm not too sure, but there seems to be something in it somewhere. Um, there is. I think I'm going to touch on it a bit later okay. um, when we cover off, you know, the art of storytelling. I think there is something in that. I, I've seen that when I've been trying to interview and get talent into my team as well. Mm, yeah, interesting. Okay, fine. Um, for anybody that isn't aware, um, obviously Manchester Airport Group kind of does it what it says on the tin, but um, just give us a, a brief intro. I know there's other parts to the business and things like that, and obviously we have listeners in 140 plus countries, so they might not be wholly familiar with the organisation. Sure, yeah. So 
I'm sure uh, some of your listeners have gone through one of our airports. So Manchester Airport Group is um, UK's leading airport group. It has a catchment covering 75% of the UK. I'm going to give you some stats because this is a data podcast. Why not? Um, they own Manchester, Stansted, East Midlands airports. And they also have um, a separate subsidiary airports, parking, products and services businesses as well. Um, Manchester Airport serves over 270 global destinations and it has actually 60 million passengers using the airports um, and about 38 million people employed across the airports. And their mission is to make, you know, the airports and, and travel services the number one choice of passengers and airlines through delivering great customer service and operational excellence. So I'm sure in it, a lot of us probably just look at the, the group name and assume it's Manchester, but they do cover Stansted and East Midlands as well. Um, and they, you know, they don't see each other as competitors. And within the airports world, it's quite nice, actually. You know, you can actually collaborate with other airports globally as well, because there's a lot of um, transformation and learnings that we're doing. And some airports are slightly ahead of that curve. And there's a great network of um, airports across globally sort of supporting each other on that. Mm, yeah, interesting. Well, with that many passengers, no wonder it's uh, it's always busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I guess, obviously, you've landed there relatively recently. Just give us a kind of snapshot of, you know, what's the purpose of um, of you being there to, you know, what are you there to, to achieve, basically? And obviously, you've got a, a very funky new title as the as the Chief Customer Data Officer. If you want to give us a bit of an insight into that. <laughs> sure. So, um, I sort of joined uh, Manchester Everett to lead the overall data strategy to help them really shift from a operation focused business which is obviously just as important but to more of a customer experience led business um because our business objective is to deliver customer focused solutions and obviously seamless travel experiences to improve the passenger experience at airports and i think that's why this role is really important we recently developed a market level segmentation to help us better understand our passenger mix including like the customer needs satisfaction um which is a great starting point uh, for us in the airports which highlight a number of key areas that we can really use data to focus on so really my aim is to ensure that data sits at the core of the entire business it's democratized to all uh, everyone at mag ensure that we have the right skills and training and also very importantly the right operating model and way of working to drive to start driving data-driven decisions across the business um, Manchester Airport recognizes the importance of data and, and it being a key asset for the future strategic growth and transformation of the business um, and a need for senior data leader to lead the data strategy. And that's sort of when I joined about three months ago. So it's still quite a newbie, but uh, there is so much opportunity that I can see around me where data can be used to deliver really innovative like customer products and services to start transforming that customer experience. Mm, nice. Okay. Very interesting. Um, so obviously the whole kind of premise and the to- of the topic today, Canary, is thinking about, you know, almost your evolution to kind of provide some insight into people that are maybe on that journey, right? Because uh, I guess just to frame it, there are many, many people out there that are leading data teams, right? That would classify themselves as a data data leader in, in some way, shape or form. Um, not that many CDO type of roles out there, right? And obviously you come from a kind of traditional data background as an analyst and have worked your way through you know up the career ladder and you know had a, a chief data officer role now and in your previous role as well so i think it's it's going to be insightful for people to understand in your opinion what's allowed you to progress right so i guess if you think about last three or so years you, you've kind of had yeah. the title now if i was to ask you you know if you think about canary before that time 
let's say five plus years ago, right? What were, what are the major differences that you would now notice between you now and, and you then? That's a really good question. So I think the first point would be around, I think my ability to think more strategically and to understand the business drivers, specifically around the financial performance of the organization, and then think about how this links to data strategy or what I could do with data. So it's almost like you sort of got to leave your data expert hat at the table and to open up your mind to actually understanding you know how the business operates and what are the key sort of drivers of the business and how does the business actually look at the financials is really important because you will be essentially linking the work you're doing back to that and you trying to show that so for me that was really important and I had to stretch that part of my brain you know in, in previous roles I had not had to do that because either I worked part of a function or somebody else sort of managed the PL and therefore I didn't have to bother myself with understanding that but I think in the last like, three to four years has become so much more important, especially where you're no longer a leader as part of a business function now. You know, you're not you're not reporting into marketing, you're not reporting into sort of in you know, a finance or strategy. You've actually got to understand the entire business. I think that's been a, a key sort of um, area that I've had to really see the difference. I think the other thing is as well is my leadership style and my ability to manage politics and conflict across all different levels. That is a really hard one. And it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to go through the process of learning how to do that and managing your emotions as well, right? Because you can quite easily get annoyed and turn your back and, you know, it's that person's fault. Or it's almost like how do you evolve your leadership style now that you're operating at a very different level and start to understand the way in which you manage politics around it because they always are. But also when there's conflict, you're going in as a CDO to try and change culture and business guarantee there's going to be somebody that's going to see you as coming in as you know stepping on your toes or not see the same way that you're coming across there will be conflict there but how do you best navigate around that to for you to move forward I think the um the third thing is around probably the ability to trust in my team and to delegate and empower my team and not micromanage as you know like you said as you get more senior and you sort of climb up your career then you've got to start and being a hands-on practitioner, that's really hard, you know, early on. It was like, how do you then trust the team that they're doing the right thing? And you've got to have that two-way conversation. Otherwise, I've been in that situation where I've been micromanaged by leaders and it doesn't really work because you just think they don't trust you. So I think it's really important that you learn to delegate and empower your team. Um, and I think the most important, which is the last one, is um, my confidence grew in my expertise. Um, obviously, I know my stuff, but... To be able to challenge senior executives, but also other peers and other business functions, I knew that I knew my sort of area of expertise and that confidence just grew because I felt like I had a right to be there. And therefore, I was seen as a partner at the same level now and really be, I was sort of kind of brought on to share my views. And therefore, I became a lot more confident in being able to channel senior executives with my my experience and my thought process. Hmm. So much to unpack there. I'm I'm at a loss as to where to start, which point is the most relevant. But um, the, the the politics thing is interesting, right? Because I get, as you know, I'm very vocal, possibly too vocal on LinkedIn, right? And I get into a lot of debates back and forth about the role of the CDO and the challenges and so on and so forth. And, and you know, I think there's, there's almost this narrative forming sometimes that it's it's kind of seen as well it's not my fault it's hard people don't get it you know there's red tape there's this is that and as you said that will always be the way because the the whole purpose of this role existing is to drive 
change and transformation right so we're asking people to yeah. do things differently so of course that's going to upset a few people um and my view of that is that's just now part of the job like navigating those politics and the red tape is part of the job whether we like it or or not was there has there has been any experiences in your career that have i guess kind of shaped how you manage that now versus you know what you might have done previously um yes i think you know i've been should i say lucky or unlucky <laughs> both i think to in my sort of career um come across sort of um conflict or politics in that way where um i had to build those relationships and put my sort of um ass down on the table and really try to get that person on board so I, i've had you know i've worked in teams or um wider than that i've had seen execs sort of um challenge what i'm doing and not agreeing with it um without taking time to really understand you know what we're trying to achieve here so that's made me think a little bit more clear around uh, being articulate about what i'm trying to deliver and maybe spending a little bit more time in trying to build that relationship i think it's you know we have to understand that we are very data literate, right? And most people around us that don't work in this field, especially when you're going into transformation, do not understand it. So how do you break down that messaging to the right level so that you're being able to sort of solve a problem for that particular stakeholder? But I think, yeah, I think every uh, individual, every organisation you'll go to, there'll be different personas there. The art is to be able to navigate around that you know, you've got to be able to evolve your way in which you sort of talk and manage and build those relationships to that particular individual. If you start to be a bull in a china shop, that isn't going to get you very far, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And obviously, there you kind of talked about the the relationship building, the almost the the selling of why you're there, the storytelling, which we'll we'll get into it in a little bit. One thing you also mentioned was, I guess, in terms of your skill set, was understanding kind of the impact of how the business operates and how that relates to financial performance now i speak to a lot of people that you know if 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 you were to go to anybody within the realms of data analytics and say you know how should all of this thing work with regard to data strategy they would tell you start with the business strategy and the goals and objectives and work backwards right yeah that often doesn't happen for whatever reason um and we often get into conversations around, well, actually, I'm not too sure what the business strategy is or the business goals are or, you know, what the, the financial goals of the organization are. How, how if someone finds themselves in that situation, how, how would you navigate that or how have you navigated that previously to, you know, understand, actually, this is how the business operates, here's what it's trying to achieve, here's how all of that flows through to the bottom line, as it were. And, you know, this is my role within that to, to make us a better performing business. Yeah, so really, um, there's so many different areas I can go with this. I think um, for me, I think in order to sort of make sure that you're um, understanding the the business better, I think it's point around sort of building those relationships. I think it's really important to make sure that you focus on um, understanding those uh, objectives and challenges of your stakeholders and understand how you can solve problems for them. I, I believe a CDO can't operate alone um, in order to achieve like measurable business outcomes. They need to work together with their business peers. Um, the baseline of a success in everyday to leave is the, journey, is the journey in terms of forging the relationship with the relevant stakeholders. So I think that's for me is um, important and understanding, you know, the the core sort of um, 
the people that you need to be sort of working with and understanding where you can build those allyships and that sort of um it is actually partnerships with the business really and then you start linking what you can do with your data strategy directly back to those business stakeholders as CDO leaders we most probably don't have a PL line unless you're working data monetization and you've got a revenue line therefore you need to understand what the the business sort of KPIs are and I get that um, but you need to be able to see where you're driving the impact for those sort of individuals across the stakeholders and how can you directly impact those KPIs or drive the value or solve the business problem. So I think building that relationship across the business is, is quite critical. Mm, okay, yeah. So it's basically understanding the objectives of the key stakeholders across the organization and almost understanding what value, in quotation marks, means to them, how their yeah. business operates and how that impacts the financial levers and then how data can support that through you know growth opportunities or you know reducing costs or whatever the case may be yeah interesting okay fine um as we touched upon at the start of the the conversation there's a lot of people out there looking for or wanting the next big cdo gig um if i take you back to that kind of moment in time in your career a few years ago kind of what are the telltale signs in your opinion that you're probably ready to take that step up because there's a lot of people out there that want the title doesn't always necessarily mean they might be ready for that role given everything we've just discussed right about politics and red yeah. tape and financial performance and so on and so forth um i think you know do you think or act like an executive because we, we talked about earlier most you know data leaders started their careers out as technical practitioners first right um, and to operate at an executive requires enhanced set of skill sets because, you know, the role includes you're trying to create a data culture, you're trying to grow value and drive transformation, you're changing the culture, you're educating and influencing and telling the story. And this, for me, sort of requires an elite set of executive skills, um, starting with, like, communicating your vision for data internally and externally, starting to secure reputation and telling sort of, you know, um, the organization about what this vision is why and, and giving that sort of a narrative around it and taking people on that journey I think the other thing is like um, are you sort of uh, ready to challenge yourself embrace diversity of thought so uh, meaning kind of can you start thinking and speaking to people that thinking unlike that's yours so start broadening your horizons you know start learning through peers and superiors and start thinking about coaching and mentoring like you want to almost broaden your thinking so that you can understand actually how others think of things so I think that's quite interesting in terms of are you ready to embrace diversity of thought because sometimes people um, are quite stuck in their own views and are not willing to be um, you know open-minded I think that's quite important because you will land in any organization and um, the setup the structure will be very different and how easily can you you know understand and we almost kind of have that wider thinking. I think also um, for me, like understand strategic value levers and pain points of the organization is really important. You can't just come in and do your job in data and that's there, not understand what the wider, wider impact is. That, and if you've got a very good view of that and you can very quickly grasp that, I think you're ready to kind of do that and be able to link that. And I, I think the most important one is um, how your resilience and adaptability um, this is quite critical skills that will be required to perform the role of a CDO. Like we talked about, you're going in and driving cultural change and you're trying to sort of transform the business, but you're influencing and you're educating. 
which requires a certain level of resilience in the individual, but also the openness to be able to adapt. Mm, yeah, so that's that's really interesting. I guess. Do you think, in many instances, then, and and I guess there's probably some link here with kind of imposter syndrome to a to a certain degree, right? But do you think this is more of a to, to be ready to take that step or to actually go and take that step and perform in those type of environments is it is it a mindset thing or is it a do i have the skills and capability and ability thing i think it's mindset mindset because uh, but mindset i think you can learn the ability if that makes sense so you've got to shift that mindset i think we could learn the capability if you've got a growth mindset and are willing to challenge yourself and put the time and effort in to educate and learn I think definitely, you know, it's sort of the ability can come on that. It is a shift in mindset. But I think a couple of areas I think are really important to, to focus on is sort of kind of making sure you are um, almost kind of focusing as a lead, like I mentioned earlier, that you're working on those important areas, which is, you know, when you're acting like a leader, are you able to sort of you know, build those relationships um, to operate a CDO? Um, are you able to really fully embrace and understand where that particular individual stakeholder is coming from and really start kind of flexing that muscle of building those relationships across the various stakeholders? And that, I think, for me, is quite important. But I think it does it does go into sort of um, part of imposter syndrome. I've been there in situations where, you know, my mindset is telling me, you know, are you good enough to do this job? Or, you know, did you, like, get, get this role by chance? Have they made a mistake? Um, and I think that is, I've sort of stretched myself when I don't know something, I put the time and effort into learn. Um, I may not know it completely, but I've got enough people in my network to be able to, you know, reach out to somebody so I can get myself up to speed and understand it. And I think that's where the importance of um, having that growth mindset. And secondly, um, almost like kind of stretching yourself to be able to make sure you're going outside your comfort zone is really important. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. I, I think I'd I'd probably ag- agree with that. Obviously, you need to have a certain level of competence, right? But when you first land that first CDO role, you know, you're kind of walking into the unknown somewhat. And, and, and obviously, the conditions of any CDO role are completely contextual to the organization, right? You know, so you can have five CDOs and look, the roles look completely different based mm. upon a whole mirage of, of different things, right? So I think you're right, it's the mindset of, Yes, I can do this job, but B, um, if there's things that I don't know, I can learn. But it's more about the mindset of, you know, I'm, I'm moving away from just building flat platforms and playing yeah. with data to actually this is now a business kind of leadership type of, of role first, which I think is is really interesting. Um, one thing that I harp on about a lot and speak to many, many people kind of day in, day out about is obviously, as we've discussed many times, a lot of people looking for the role very few roles out there even from a title perspective and probably even fewer in reality based on size of the role responsibility remuneration etc etc um you got any hints and tips for anyone listening out there in terms of how you would assess these Mm. opportunities like whether something truly is a cdo role or or you know it might just be a head of role with an inflated title apart from the obvious thing of you know salary i guess yeah yeah, I think it really depends, like you said, on the data maturity and the size of the organisation because the role of a CDO can vary in terms of what the core responsibilities are for Chief Data Officer. Um, and it's quite a new sort of evolving sort of area, isn't it, really? Some people are like, 
do we need this on the board? Does it need to be called chief? And there's also this reluctance of why and then the business justification of, you know, why do we need a CDO and what value are they going to bring? And it's a really hard one because we're sort of an enabler in the organisation. So trying to convince a CFO why you need a CDO is a hard sort of task, you know, we'll fix your financial reporting and what, you know, but it is. I think um, it really depends on who should we look now uh, for the roles and asking these questions, you know, when they're interviewing for these roles is how much decision uh, making power and autonomy will you have around sort of implementing your data strategy or, you know, setting a data strategy as one task is the, you know, real test of the role is going to be actually how committed is the organisation to sort of empowering you to make those decisions around key areas in the strategy cover technology roadmap, you know, we have the um, investment and autonomy to build a common data platform, focus on data governance, for example, and management on the people side, you know, it's around making sure we have the ability to manage the talent and build the right skills. Um, and I think more importantly, in most cases, is will you be able to be supported to enable changes required in terms of ways of working, setting up new org designs, you know, ensuring you create the right collaborative culture that enables innovation and improvement because if you don't have that those decision rights or if you're not empowered to make those decisions or have the commitment financially I think it's gonna be really hard I've got sort of um I've got friends in my network um and they either report into CEO CTO CIO in some cases the CFO um and what functions report into the role vary some have sort of data in their scope, some have data engineering and platform management responsibility, others don't. Some are more focused on delivering the actual value, so they have more of the data science analytics part of their role. Others also have sort of um, data governance in, in their role as well. So I think it all depends on the organisation. Think about as a CGO, you know, where do you want to join? You know, you want to go to an organisation that's done a lot of the foundation lane and you're happy to sort of deliver the value of analytics or do you want to go to a role where you're managing the whole end-to-end ecosystem and actually you're going to have to be focused on delivering the new platform capability, building out the platform? So I think it sort of um, it depends. But more, most more importantly, I think, regardless of where the role reports into and, you know, and regardless of what it's going to be called, I think the most important thing is to ensure you have a voice at the table. So do you have access to the exco and the leadership team? Because you really be able to influence the strategy. If you don't have that, of communication channel then I think it's going to be really difficult um, and I've been in those situations where when you've got that voice or that sort of communication access to the leadership team you can start sharing and influencing your views if you don't have that it's very difficult to then relay that to somebody else who's going to sort of share that messaging upwards so I think it makes a massive difference because you become a, a partner more than a sort of just a service provider mm, yeah absolutely no, that, all of that makes uh makes makes perfect sense you touched upon something there around you know about being the the person that comes in to, to drive value it, you know if, if you're in a certain type of of context obviously we have many a debate in this industry about you know why we're viewed as a cost center or you know as as a service desk provider um as you mentioned there like a service provider i guess how do you ensure that you can elevate above that obviously if the conditions play a part right because some people will walk into a role where that's kind of ready-made for their life to be a little bit easier because they have that right access to the right people structurally it might be set up a little bit better for whatever reason but i guess broadly speaking are there any hints and tips around how you you know you go from being seen as that cost center and that service provider to actually someone that can drive business performance 
yeah I think it's really important and I, I've experienced this throughout my career um and it really annoys me <laughs> when I join you know when I see that and I know there's a hope and I know there's you know lots of progress we can make in that and and maybe I've been very lucky enough to work for organizations where the data and that team are put on a pedestal you know and they're seen as the core of the business but it really shows what you can achieve when they are I think like you talked about it's about moving away from being a service provider to a partner to the business like shifting that focus of being order takers uh, but to being for sort of you know decision makers with the business I, my advice rip up that brief you know we don't need requirements we want to have a conversation around the table with the right business people that's sort of the shift we want I think um the art of being more strategic and what I mean by that is simply connect what you're doing and trying to deliver um, to the organization strategy that we talked about but link it back to the opportunities and challenges of the business um, we talked earlier about you know the day strategy linking to corporate strategy you've got to work on doing that and getting that right no one's going to have it readily available to you but if you get this right it will help you identify the sort of um, the key KPIs that will help you talk about the impact in the business language that articulates value in terms of organizational success and that's really important no one really cares that you spent you know 200 hours building this amazing machine learning algorithm and it's about the impact it drives for the business and it comes on to showing the real tangible value delivered through data in the style of a you know almost like an elevator pitch you know because this is a great communication tool you can do to engage stakeholders across the business about the work you're doing but i think it's about focusing on the emotional business outcomes like revenue growth, cost saving, customer improve, experience improvements, process efficiencies. You've got to try and link, um, you know, the work you do back to one of those measured business outcomes that the business understands, which goes back to my earlier point. You've got to know how the, the business operates and what they see as success financial measures. If you do not know that, um, it's you won't be able to link that. You know, the first thing I'll do when I join that Manchester Airport group is sit down with the finance director and say, right, okay, how... How do you look at your PL? Tell me how you sort of um, kind of almost communicate your progress back up to the leadership level, exco and the board. So it gives me an understanding actually the key KPIs that you're focused on. How do you measure against target? You know, that's really important for you to get your head around that. And obviously every business is going to be different, but that's something we can definitely put effort into understanding how the business operates. Um, I think it's also important to focus on when we start, whenever we start something in data or a, a big program or project always focus on the value and it's a hard one because sometimes we think right we need a data platform or we need to create this new tool um those supporting activities will come later you focus on what you're trying to achieve for the business you can then very quickly build out what the sort of initiatives you need or capability you need to be able to deliver that value rather than i need this thing or tool or capability and then i'll think about how, what value it's going to drive it's the wrong way about it and i've been in organizations where they've started a big technology program with somebody then trying to find out what value this is going to drive, you know, and they're trying to knock on everyone's door and it's just the wrong way to go about it and it won't work. And I think the last thing which is really important is evangelize and start shouting from the rooftops about the, the, the you know, the impact that data is driving for the business. And there's various ways to do this, but develop a comms plan, you know, work with your comms director. If you don't have one, then get, you know, there'll be some people in the team that will be really good at talking about, you know, the work they're doing. So think about how you can communicate that work um, with other teams, you know, through show and tell sessions, but also you can create a newsletter, you can create a, a channel on one of the social channels, you know, internally, but also, you know, don't wait to be invited to the party. 
go turn up to the party. So go to those uh, business function leadership meetings, ask to be invited. And so you can sort of show, talk about the team and what they're delivering back to the business and start telling that story in a way which is engaging to the entire organization. Because uh, let's be frank, you know, you're going to create some work and let's give an example. You've done an amazing piece of work and create an amazing um, model for personalization and the marketing team are going to use that and they're going to hit their numbers and be able to really, you know, get the, the target they achieved, highly unlikely that they're going to say, and this was because we created a, an amazing you know, data-driven model or it's because we use a innovative machine learning algorithm. It's not going to be focusing on that. So I think that's why we've got to take our own story and create the narrative and shout about it. Mm, yeah, I think, I mean, look, you know, it's kind of frowned upon a little bit, right? But self-promotion is massively important because if, you know, ma- I, I use this quote all the time. It's pretty embarrassing, actually. But I remember, I can't remember even why this came about. But I remember one time when I was quite young, my mum said to me, Kyle, if you don't love yourself, nobody will. And I don't know why that quote even stuck with me. But um, I always use it like in business and with the teams and when I'm, you know, training and coaching people. Because um, I think it's it's very relevant, right? You know, if you're going to sit there as a data analytics capability and wait for the round of applause, you're probably never going to get it right. So you need to go and, uh, to your point, gate crash the party and, um, you know, make people stand on the chairs, right? So um, it's, yeah, really, really interesting. I guess a couple of things out of that then. Obviously, striking the balance between being strategic and spending a lot of time in the business and having these conversations and, you know, inviting yourself to these to these board meetings and stuff uh, obviously takes a lot of time. I guess there's a certain balancing act that occurs from a execution standpoint and you know where the rubber meets the road something has got to to happen right how do you how do you kind of ensure that you get that that balance right and it's not too out of kilter one way or the other yes a really important question i think throughout my career i've you know sometimes been in a situation i've been possibly you know far too much in the executing space and not thinking strategically enough because i don't have the capacity or you know i'm too busy focusing on that or it could be the other way around you know I'm spending time strategically, but I'm not able to execute, whether that's because there's no people or team or investment. But I think it, you've got to strike that balance. Um, and it's it's a hard one. I think if you're, you know, strategically in sync and sort of you're able to relay that data strategy and you don't want it to just be words on a piece of paper, do you? You want to start showing what value your data strategy is trying to have. So behind the, the words on the paper, which is your data strategy, for me, I think you've got to have a clear roadmap with, you know, real deliverables and outcomes and, you know, timeless. It's almost like being smart. Like when you set your objectives, you know, you want to be specific about what you're going to deliver. You want to be able to be really clear about what you're going to measure in terms of KPIs. It goes back to my original point about understanding what business impact you're going to drive. And realistically, how likely are you going to, you know, achieve that and give, you know, that's where the timeline comes in. And making sure is relevant and you know something sometimes can evolve over time and you know making sure you've got that and the roadmap and timelines making sure we're sort of putting yourself to some kind of time bound um um timeline because otherwise you'll be like yes i'm going to launch that that platform cloud data platform and actually you know we think it's going to take about i don't know three to five years but actually be really specific around are you going to get the first 10 percent of the data and is that based on a key set of priorities? Because if you see in front of a CEO and say, well, I'm not quite sure when we're going to, it's going to be constantly evolving, right? You constantly get asked the question, when are we going to have all the data migrating into the cloud? Well, 
if you're constantly creating more data, you're never going to get there, are you? Really, you're going to it's going to be continuous, uh, you know, evolution of that. So I think it's um, important to be quite specific um, and have your teams work like that as well, because it ties nicely into being strategic, but also having a great execution plan behind that to say actually you've got five pillars can in data strategy but what are you doing underneath each of those and what are the core outcomes and deliverables and when am i going to get it um how am i going to know it's actually achieved for example and all of those things are really important then that sort of gives you a nice balance between strategy and executing but that doesn't happen overnight that requires time and effort and work to get there mm, yeah absolutely so it's almost like creating your own statement of work right you know yeah. kind of milestones and deliverables that you can hold yourself to account and you and your team and, and yeah that makes uh interesting i've actually thought about that but um yeah that's, no uh, one's going to do it for you nobody your manager you know your other team members you've got to set that yeah yeah absolutely um so obviously everything that you, i guess we've been building up to this point obviously canary is is around you know building relationships being seen as a partner focus on impact and value and business outcomes understanding how the business operates how you know the financial levers and how they are kind of pulled um but then ultimately how you bring all that together through telling the story and you started to talk about you know using comms channels and comms teams to kind of get that message out there obviously i think that's you know the the storytelling piece is something that you kind of label as one of your one of your many superpowers um Talk me through that journey. Is that something that came quite naturally to you, or you know, did you have to work at it? Like, how, what advice would you give to people that are, you know, because I guess there's there's also and maybe a misconception, right? But you know, many data people that come from a technical background that that might not be their superpower, right? So um, just talk us through that that journey. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, the importance of storytelling is probably something um, I learned from an early stage in my career um, because I started out in the world of consultancy. So we always had to be sort of were taught to do, tell the story of what our work was driving for our clients. We had to be really clear about what we did, how we did it, and then the you know the final message was the impact. You know, and I think we had to get a message cut across really quickly um, because these were clients that were obviously paying for our time. So they need to actually get to the point of what the reason for the you know what the conclusion the recommendation was. So I think I've been working that part of my muscle for a long time. But um, I truly believe it can be learned. I've seen this, you know, the more you do it, the better you become. Um, I think there are a few things you can probably start out. I think, firstly, build and communicate. You know, got that data vision and communicate that, you know, it sort of bridges like the, the gaps between the teams. So communicate to the exec team, the frontline team, you know, everyone across the organisation um, because they're trying to, show everyone you know what that vision is and you need to be able to do it in a way in which the messaging for the ex executive team will be very different to people that may be frontline staff or possibly it so i think you need to um almost design that messaging based on who you're communicating that kind of vision to um i think the other thing is really important is um be a thought leader share your views internally and externally push yourself outside your comfort zone i talked about take up public speaking you know you might think oh my god i can't do that never um start small you know join a panel host a round table before you know it, you'll be able to take the stage and tell the story that's probably me actually you know if you asked me 15 years ago could i speak in front of 100 people i'd be like no way you know i sort of pushed myself out of my comfort zone and started to be a thought leader and realized 
well, I've got quite a bit to say, actually. I've worked in this industry for a fair bit of time. <laughs> so, you know, there's like some people that actually listen to me and ask me questions. Um, so I sort of uh, worked on that myself to try and sort of, um, sort of kind of almost develop that area of gap that I saw that I had to want to be able to be that leader. Um, I think last also ensure you're engaging and compelling to those that are trying to influence. Um, really important to take time to understand your audience. You know, how do you need to package that story to get the key message across, you know, and make sure that you're achieving the outcomes you want by talking to that individual. So I think, you know, if it is like you're presenting to a particular business team um, and trying to show the impact of the work that was driven, be clear. And I think you're right. It's quite hard because we all start out, especially in the field of data analytics, you start out in the world of being a hands-on practitioner. Um, and then depending on the organization, you either have the ability to talk to the final stakeholder or somebody else takes that work for you and presents it on your behalf. So you've got we've got to sort of find opportunities to be able to, you know, ensure that people get the experience to um, interact with stakeholders and tell their story. And obviously people are not going to get it right straight away, but, you know, it's almost like making sure you're if you've got somebody coming in from your team um, presenting to the Exco or to a leadership team, I'd almost say, you know, this person's coming in, it's their first time, you know, can you support them when they're asking questions, you know? So I think there's nothing wrong with that because it's sort of helping that individual to grow into a much more confident person at telling the story. And we're never going to get it right first time. Um, you know, you learn from the feedback you get from people, the questions they ask you when you're telling that story. You very quickly gauge whether you're telling them too much information, you're not getting to the point, or actually you've completely lost them now. How many times have you been in a room where you'll see people disengaging and you've got to be really good at learning to read the room and just make sure you're keeping the audience engaged either by asking those questions or you know speaking to, speaking to sort of the people and calling them out by name I think that really helps so you want to make sure that they listen to what you're saying and right plan it plan that storytelling even if it's one slide even if it's a meeting to an expo if it's a meeting to another team if you're presenting to your own team I think if you just spend five minutes all planning that story in terms of what the key message is and what you're trying to is it an ask you're trying to share some knowledge are you trying to sort of convince somebody influence them I think it's really important but like I said I think for me there is something around coming from a consultancy background because I was very lucky to be sort of taught this way of working what I see when I sort of look at um, individuals within sort of the data analytics space that they may not necessarily have an experience in this area or the organization hasn't invested in data storytelling. And I think it's really important to have that. And not everybody wants to do it. And that's absolutely fine. Just make sure you've got a few people in the team that are sort of, there will always be that person that wants to talk about their work. Take that person and they're the person that will probably be the best person to tell that story. Get those teams together, start talking about the communication channel and how they can sort of elevate the work we're doing across the organization. Yeah, 100%. I guess last question then, because I'm conscious of, of time, Kinara. In terms of the relationship with kind of a comms team or a comms department to kind of, you know, start shouting from the rooftops about the great work that's being done, have you found there's been anything more so than something else that has been more successful or had, you know, better results? You know, I guess we hear a lot about newsletters or internal podcasts or intranets or, you know, a few different mediums, but I don't know if there's been anything that you kind of feel has worked best for you in your career? Um, I think it depends on the organisation. Like if they've already got comms channels, then is this another added sort of channel that's going to get lost in the myriad of other things and maybe don't go down that route? Um, 
it could be a newsletter. I've tried sort of internal newsletters, but you've got to get the right person on, you know, you've got to make it look fun to look at and you've got to get those big numbers in, otherwise it's going to be boring. So I kind of worked with um, external consultants or agencies who sort of worked in the space of um, not copyright, but actually being able to market that message for you. So that was really helpful. I think, you know, someone gave me advice once and they said, you know, pick that one person that's very good on their social um, media. <laughs> that person that's really good at posting things on Instagram, you know, that's the kind of person you want, right? Because they've got those naturally made sort of uh, comm skills, haven't they? But I think, yeah, depending on the organisation and what channels you've got there, what's going to have the biggest impact? Can you measure it? I think that's really important. Can you measure who's opening that newsletter? It's great you launched it. If no one's really engaging with it. Um, you know, can you get yourself onto an all hands call and spend ask for thirty minutes to start talking about what you're doing? So start at different places. You know, you don't have to do one big bang approach. Maybe start small and start interacting with team members and going to their party and start talking about what you're doing. But I think you've got to have multiple things in parallel. You can't just expect one thing to happen and that's going to sort of grow from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Canary, look, it's been a pleasure speaking with you as always. I'm conscious of uh, of your time. I know you've probably got things to be uh, to be doing, so we'll let you go. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. 